So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sunshines. You are listening to the Evolvepreneur After Hours podcast. I am your host, Christine Campbell-Rappin, and I am on a complete and utter mission to help entrepreneurs make a difference, navigate the messy middle, the startup world, the plot twists, and the reinvention. Today, I've got a guest star who's going to help share with us her journey so that you can take some great insights from what she's learned along the way, apply the concepts to your journey, and fast track your business success. Today, our special guest is Tara Whitney, and she has a consulting business, and she's all about funding. She writes grants, tenders, business cases to secure funding for her clients. They work with businesses, not-for-profit, and government organizations to develop robust projects that obtain funding and turn ideas into reality. How cool is that? In the last five years, Whitney Consulting has secured over $80 million in funding for projects that change communities and make life better for Western Australians. It's an amazing, impactful story. I can't imagine how that journey has unfolded, and we're going to learn all about it. So, Tara, welcome to our program. Thank you very I'm much. Thanks for having me. By asking, did you ever imagine you would start out as an entrepreneur, or how on earth did this come to be? No, I never thought that I would be a business owner, an entrepreneur. I am a very risk-averse person. So leaving my state government comfortable job was not something I had ever planned. But uh, circumstances, my husband was moved to a small regional town for his work and I couldn't continue to do my government job from there. So I thought, what on earth am I going to do? Um, I love writing. And I know all about grants and business cases because I've been doing that, assessing those in my, my state government job. So I guess I'll write them. I'll go the other side and I'll, I'll use my knowledge and, and write the grants and the business cases and tenders and, and give that a go. And, and yeah, it was completely out of the blue and also the scariest and best thing I've ever done. I love it. You know, it's interesting because I have this constant debate with my peer group because I'm an entrepreneur just like you. And that is whether entrepreneurs are the crazy ones who really just take this leap of faith or whether we really are about risk diversification strategies. And I actually agree with you. I actually came from it from the same lens of, you know, the best way to create my future would be to bet on myself because an employment job might not always be that one that is on the table. So I applaud you for taking the leap of faith and saying, well, I've got skills. I've got knowledge. I've seen the other side. Maybe there's a marketplace for this. So as you started to figure out and jump into what if, where did you start? Goodness me. Well, <laughs> I started by talking. Um, you know, I just spoke to anyone that I could think of who had done something similar, who had any knowledge whatsoever. And I just asked them questions. I asked them, how do I do this? What do I do? Um, I just talked. I talked a lot to people. I gathered a lot of information and I filtered the info. I, I sort of listened and, and thought, well, does that make sense to me? Uh, if it makes sense to me, I'll do it. Um, even if I don't want to do it, I'll do it because this particular person has said, that's what I should do. And it, and it makes sense. So I I really started by asking questions. This is such an important one, and all of our listeners will appreciate this, is, is be careful of the vacuum. You know, I always think that what really moves the world 
business and life is conversation. And so having the courage to step out and say, well, if I've got an idea, in order to sound out or round out the idea, I've got to learn. Who should I be talking to? And I'm sure that that was an uncomfortable start, but it obviously started to snowball. When did you start to feel like you were in momentum? I thought, yeah, there really is something here that I can continue to build even though we might not be in the major metropolis with the new location for your family. Yeah, well, it was really, it was really quickly for me. So when I first started the business, the intention was we were, we were scheduled to be in the, the country for two years. And I thought I took leave without pay from my job. And I thought that I could uh, go back to my government job, <clears throat> excuse me, when I, um, when we finished in the country, it was about a month after I started the business that I said to my husband, oh no, I'm never going back. This is it. Um, I, I want to dominate the grant space in Western Australia. There is a, a gap there. Uh, I can do this. I've spoken to so many people who say how badly needed what I, my, my skills are and what I can do are. Um, this is a challenge, I guess, for me. Um, it, it ignited that part of me that just likes to be challenged and and yeah, so within a month, I said, no, that's it. I'm never going back. I'm never going back to government work. I'm never going back to not being an entrepreneur and running my business. I will make this business work. Uh, so it didn't take very long for me to realize that this was what I wanted. Well, that decision is foundational. And it is one that, you know, I, I love the confidence that you said. I knew really early I was going all in. And and when that that pivotal moment of decision happens, acceleration starts. But as your business starts to snowball, talk to us about, you know, finding your first clients. You know, how did that work? And and how did you decide what was somebody who wasn't a right client for you? What were your kind of criteria? How did you go about it? Because that's something most entrepreneurs really struggle with is mystery. Got a great idea, yeah, no, but how many people pay for this? Yeah, it's been a, that's been a journey and it's been a changing journey. So when I first started the business, my first clients came from referrals from those people that I'd spoken to, the people whose brains I'd picked and said, look, how do I, what do I? Because I, they obviously knew that I was looking for work. Um, I emailed and, and contacted everyone that I, my, my networks, my connections, and let them know what I was doing. And so that was where the first work came from. But when I first started, I was basically accepting any, any consulting jobs that needed to be done. So I wasn't just doing grants, tenders and business cases. I was doing reports, you know, research reports and things like that that people in state government needed done and they knew that I could do it. So I I accepted it. But over those, you know, the last few years, it it gradually I learned that this is not what I want to do. Yes, I can do it, but this isn't what I'm loving. I want to be, I want to niche down. I want to just do these three things because I know that I'm the best at these three things. Yes, I can write a report, but there are people who can do that better. And I don't want to be doing something if I think that somebody else could do it better. I want to be really believing that what I'm doing is the best thing for my client. And also, I need to be able to put some systems in place. If I want to eventually not be the doer in my business, the one that's writing everything, there needs to be systems in place. I need to have standard operating procedures and systems and processes and, and everything like that. And I can't do that for every single thing. You know, it's, it's much easier to go, right, this is how we write grants. This is how we write tenders. This is how we write business cases. Then to somehow write 
systems and procedures for anything that might come in, any type of report or any type of thing. So it was a combo of that. As I as I went, went along, I learned that, well, I'm the only one that can write this particular report because these, you know, my staff haven't done that before. So that's not what I want. I want, um, you know, I wanted to, to, to niche down and I, I gradually learned. And also there were a few instances of my gut told me I should not accept that job or that particular client. And I did it anyway, because, you know, you, you knew when you take the money thinking I need every dollar. Um, and then it turned out to be a bad choice. My gut was right. Um, that person turned out to be, you know, a bit painful or, or not really um, aligned with what I was thinking and, and not really the kind of person I wanted to work with. Um, and so I've started to learn much more to follow my gut. And if my gut says, I don't want to do this job, uh, then I will politely decline and then refer them on to somebody else. Yeah, this is really, it was one of the hardest things I know for for, for many, I'm certainly going to count myself in that, is, is learning that if you say no, you need, you need to learn that skill because it does give space for the right things to come in. And there is a counterintuitiveness that entrepreneurs do learn and everyone learns it at a different pace, which is the more specific you are at who you serve, the easier business grows. And when you're trying to be a jack of all trades, and you know, I'm not saying three is the same as a hundred, but it starts to be, what do you want to be known for? And if you say, I was very clear, there were three things that really lit me up. I want to do more of that. This is an important lesson, audience, that if you're if you're following us along, because really, truly, you want to have joy in your journey. Because this is your vision and you must hold it. And especially if you're saying, you know, you're bringing in staff. Talk to us a little bit about who were the first people you brought in to help you on this journey? Because it's true. If you're the one who's doing all the time, you have a limited capacity to serve. But your vision was starting to get really big from what you're sharing in your story. Who did you start to think, I need support? And what, what, it, what did that journey look like? And how did it feel? Yeah, that was, that was different. Um, so it started pretty early on. So my first employee, uh, so I started the business in January 2017. And my first employee came in beginning of uh, 2018. So it didn't take long before I knew that I needed uh, some help. And my first employee was a friend, was somebody who lived out in Pinjali, out in the regional area with me. And she worked for a local government on grants management. And I just didn't know how to hire anyone. I didn't know how you, you go about getting staff and how could you trust you know, I needed somebody that I could really trust. And so I had, I, I hired my friend. And then the second person I implied, I hired was another friend. She was somebody who had um, worked with me in state government. So she'd been assessing the same things. I had the exact same skill set as me. And really, I mean, if I had had the foresight and, and, and money at the time, I would have hired her straight away because She's just amazing and, and she had that exact same skill set. But um, it took time for me to feel comfortable that I was going to be able to offer her an actual permanent part-time role. Um, but they were both friends. And to be honest, all, you know, five years, six years down the track, uh, we've got four permanent staff and they're all people that I knew before I started the business. And part of that is 
there's two two factors. One is is this trust is a huge thing for me. I I would much prefer to train somebody up who doesn't have 100% skills and knowledge that I need if I trust that they are invested in my business, they want it to grow, they're going to try, they've got the right attitude. Um, much prefer that than hiring someone who may sound better on paper, but I just don't know or, or have have that knowledge of them yet. And I do have staff that aren't friends, um, but they they came later. And when I first started hiring, it was people I already knew and trusted. And the second factor to that is the reason I was hiring these people and the reason I wanted to grow my business so big is because I loved what I was doing. All of a sudden, I'd gone from an employee role to picking my kids up from school, dropping them off at school, going to school carnivals and school assemblies. But at the same time, I still worked full time because I worked around life. I managed work and life together and I wanted to share that. And so I wanted to share it with my friends, with the people that I loved and and I could see was struggling with this juggle. Um, I wanted to to share it and, and I still do. Um, so so that's another reason why I suppose I, I hired friends was because I, I could see how amazing this was and how much I loved it and I wanted them to get on board. Wow, what a beautiful gift to give. And, you know, we it's always interesting when you look back on, on the first hires and, and I, I share your philosophy actually. I said, you know, when it comes to, to growth in my business, it was I, w- I have my, I have faith that I have the skill set to teach you to mentor you, to lead you. But what I can't bring on to the table is curiosity. And and so that idea of I want I know I can guide you if I have trust. And trust is one of the hardest things for people who start as solopreneurs with an idea and a vision to expand. But if we cannot overcome that need to put trust in faith in someone else, it does limit how how quickly and how much impact we can make. So I'm curious you know, have all the hires been great ones? Or what did you learn about leading people when it is your own business? Any different than the world of being an employee leading others? Oh, yeah, very, very different. Um, I suppose I've learned, uh, well, I've learned a lot about myself, obviously, and I've learned a lot about how I uh, interact with other people and how I lead. Um, and I've learned to be a lot more um, forgiving uh, because you know, it, it, it's such a hard thing when uh, you are such a, I'm such a motivated and driven person and um, I want to get things right and I will do it until I get it right. And, and and it's really hard having those expectations of everybody else. So I've really learned a lot and, and that, again, it's helped that they were friends because I, I think I am more patient with my staff now who are not or did not start out as my friends, they are my friends now, but didn't start out as my friends. I feel I'm more patient with those hires than I would have been if I'd hired them to begin with. Because when I first hired my friends, um, you know, if they didn't do something up to expectations, I can't I can't get angry at you. You're my friend. <laughs> um, I need to work out how to explain it to you. I need to take the time, despite the fact that I am crazy busy, I need to invest the time to politely explain to you how to do this better because I cannot ruin our friendship. Um, I can't just get angry and send off a, a rude email because you're my friend to start with. So I feel that 
although there was no intention in doing it this way, um, starting off with friends really helped me to learn how to be a leader and to learn how to guide my staff and teach them patiently and has really helped with me now having staff on board that, that you know, well, some of them I haven't actually even met in person because we are all completely remote and we all work from home and we work across the whole of WA. So some of these staff, my staff members, I've never even met in person. Um, but I think I, I'm a lot more patient and, and um, we're a happier team because I started hiring hiring my friends. Yeah, it's an interesting journey. And now, of course, the shift is so you've gone from great idea to an accelerated clients that are really interested in catching fire with what you can do from a service point of view. You've started to build your team. How do you now extract yourself from some of the skills that you're so great at to leading and, you know, if you will, playing the CEO hat? Um, what What is that dynamic like in, in your space and journey? Because that's a tough transition too. It sure is. And it's one that we're in the middle of. So over the past year, I have made the conscious decision to stop writing. So I don't do any of the written, you know, I don't write any of the grant applications or, or tenders or anything like that anymore. Uh, it is all my staff that do the writing. I still do the startup meeting um, and I still obviously do the quality assurance review and edit at the end once my staff have drafted it before it goes to the client. Um, so it's a process. It's a it's a process. It's, uh, my next step is getting the startup call, uh, the startup meeting, be something that I will have a staff member who is, you know, I'm slowly training her up. So I started inviting her to every startup call that I do so she can see how I do it because it will take a couple of years, I, I think, before that sort of skill because that is where that, as you say, that the curiosity, the the, the understanding, the knowing what to ask and how to ask it is is quite difficult. Um, so I think I had to make a, a very clear decision that I was not going to do it anymore because sometimes it's just easier. You know, you've got to, you've got to attend it during two weeks. <laughs> the dangerous slope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got to attend it during two weeks and you just go, oh, look, I, I, could, I can get it written in a week. It's fine. I can do it because I'm quicker at doing it and I don't then have to do all the, the quality assurance. So it was a conscious decision I had to make to say I will not do any more writing. That will all be my staff. Um, and if it's something that can't get done by one of my staff members, then we say no, because um, my time now is full with the startup meetings, with the quality assurance, with the staff management, with trying to um, to manage all of this, you know, getting out, getting out, doing the CEO stuff, getting our name out there, getting us known even, even better um, as the, the people that you go to for grant funding. So um, it's a process. We, we've got a lot of time being spent on writing up standard operating procedures and this is how we do what we do it's a lot of learning and and everybody's on board so all of my staff are taking note if there's something that they do that I I then go back and say no no we don't do it this way they will take note of that so that we can make sure we add that to our standard operating procedures um, so it's a whole team effort to get me out of that and to get everything out of my brain and and, and into documents and, and and things that can help our staff grow. But I, and I applaud you for it because I do think it is a hard thing to transition out when that was where the first passion starts from, right? It's like, I loved this component of it. But there is a really important transition because you cannot wear all the hats forever in growth because you simply will burn yourself out. And that is, uh, you know, a, an epidemic. We, we do know that we're just 
we struggle to give up the control. We get involved. But I said, if all you want to do is the service delivery, you are better employed than you yes, are as a CEO. Exactly. And so a real recognition on your part to say, I'm going to shift. So, you know, as you, as you, as you go through these transitions, I mean, this has just been an accelerated growth path. $80 million in five years is phenomenal. Congratulations on that. What was the best piece of advice you've been given on the journey and who did it come from? I think the best piece of advice is to know what success looks like for you. So, um, and I really had to stop and think about that. And I, and I, I do stop and think about it regularly um, because there was a point where I stopped and thought, well, do I want to grow? You know, is grow, you know, am I growing just for growth's sake? I am the kind of person who is motivated by a challenge. So am I just doing this because the challenge is there? Um, or is it actually what I want? Do I want to grow or do I want to just stay and keep doing the writing myself and, and not have the stress and the pressure of growth? So I had to really think about, well, what does success look like for me? And when I looked at it, I went, success looks like travel. You know, for me, the end goal for me is I don't want to be stuck behind a computer all the time. I want to be traveling. I love traveling. Um, that's what I want to do. And I can't do that if I'm the one that has to do all of the work and all have all of the hats. So I need to grow my business. And secondly, I really, really, really want to share how much I'm loving life with other, in particular, regional women. I, I mean, um, out in the regions, it's so hard for women to use their skills because there's no daycare. And, you know, it, it, the, you know even if there is daycare, it, every now and then it just non-existent. Oh, sorry, we've got, you know, the person's sick, so there's no daycare today. Um, you know, it's really hard. So I want to share how much I'm loving the fact that I get to work and use my brain and, and contribute to society and do all of this stuff and be challenged. But at the same time, I still go to every sports carnival, every assembly. I drop my kids at school, I pick them up. Those things are not negotiable either. So I really want to share this and, and I can't share it if I don't grow, if I don't keep getting more and more work to give to my staff. So, you know, it, knowing what success looks like for you and, and what you want is I think really key because otherwise I could have just kept going um, and not sort of had a, had a plan, not, not really known. I would just keep challenging myself, the kind of person I am. I would just keep going and going and going. And as you say, burnout would happen. But um, because I know what success looks like, because I know what I'm aiming for, I have just recently started to um, make the decision that I'm having every Friday off. Every Friday is I'm not going to work. It's going to be a organisation day. Now, it may be an organisation day for, for work. It might be that I need to go and do some banking for work because the other day I found checks that had been sitting there for eight months that I hadn't banked because you don't get the time. So, you know, it might, you know, but Friday is my day off now. It is a day that I organize and I do stuff and I'll go out and I'll have lunch with my, my 90 year old grandmother because I can now and I won't be able to in the future so um, you know if I didn't know what success looked like for me there is no way I would have actively decided to take a Friday off because I could absolutely work every Friday without even batting an eyelid. Well I, I'm 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 gonna I just cheering across the country across the world because coming from Canada I I think this is one of the most profound things that people in our audience will hear is, you know, you do get to define success on your own journey. And what's really important, I 100% agree, is that success measure changes. So please give yourself permission to recognize it changes. You know, when you are in growth, it looks very different. And growth has different speeds. 
It has different complements in terms of team. But you do need to, you know, what did we say? Stop and smell the roses. But going, is this the blend of life I wanted? Because if without any doubt, there will always be more work. There will always be more and more and more because that's the busy culture we, we are surrounded by. To recognize this is the journey I choose. I need the following to make me happy and to love the choice and to give choices to other people. I think it's a beautiful legacy. One final question to you here today, and it's, you know, what's the roadblock that's stopping some of the momentum or stopping you in your mindset that you're going, if I look forward in the year I want to have ahead, what's kind of the piece that goes, I need to work on some of this roadblock to overcome and make sure we can achieve that vision you're casting? Yeah, I suppose for me, the roadblock is, um, it, it is always, as with everybody, it's time. Uh, I need to get these um, standard operating procedures and all of these processes in place to uh, enable the growth. But for me, I don't even really see it as a roadblock because as we, we've sort of talked about, for me, growth is is something that I want to do, but I don't want to do it at the expense of dropping my kids at school and going to the assemblies. So I only have the time that I have. So I just stop myself whenever I sort of think, oh, I want to grow quicker. I need to get that document done quicker and just go, well, it's going to happen You've got your, your processes in place. You know that you've got, you're doing that on the Monday. You're doing this. Just enjoy life. Um, enjoy the journey because I do not want to get to 80 and have to, you know, built this amazing business that absolutely dominates the grants world and realize that I've not spent any time with my kids. I've not been to Europe in the past 20 years. I've not done, I, I don't want that. So that's, that's not the legacy I want. I would prefer to have my business stay very similar to the size it is and to have lived life and to have enjoyed it with my staff and with my family. So um, for me, I, I feel like I don't have roadblocks because um, there are only roadblocks if I view them that way. You get to choose your non-negotiables. And I love that you've got a very clear vision on what it looks like. Tara, it's been absolutely a pleasure to have you on our guest, guys. That's a wrap of our Evolperter After Hours podcast. But before you go, a couple of things. If you liked our episode, we'd love it if you would give us a five-star review. And if you are an entrepreneur listening to the program, come and join us. Let's sit down and have a conversation, share your journey, insights, and help all of us make bigger impact together. Be sure to subscribe to future episodes. And if you're an entrepreneur, remember that today is the perfect day to create success on your own terms. Take action and build the legacy that you aspire to. Thanks for being on our show today, guys. We will see you on our next episode. Okay.